Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast, episode number 42. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna, trying to figure out what number um, comes after three and before five. Yes, number 42, of course, the universally retired number in the sport of baseball, last worn by the great, the great, they, they retired it for the great Mariano Rivera, right? Uh, I think it was another guy they retired it for. But, I just want to uh, say, I want to say Jackie Robinson was out at that play at the plate with Yogi Bear in the 47 series, and no amount of propaganda is going to change that fact. Well, there you have it. Sorry. I no problem. So, and, and to his, to his last breath, Yogi Berra agreed with me. So, so I think, uh, since we talked about Mariano, maybe we should, uh, do a little Yankees update and you want to save that for a light moment later. Oh, we might as well do the Yankees update, get the horrible stuff out of the way. Don't you think? So here we have a team who is climbing, clawing their way back to relevancy. Um, somehow cannot beat any anybody in their division uh yesterday they fell to the red sox again i don't know i'm uh don't know what their their breakdown is this year so far but it can't be good for either the red sox or the rays no i i, I want to say they you know they're they're probably playing two or three hundred ball against those two teams combined I mean, the Yankees are what they are, right? They're they're a they're a 500 team. They're high a 500 team with the high side, right? They're, they're going to win 85 games, 86, 87, 88. That's not going to be enough to win a you know get in the playoffs when you got Oakland, Houston, Oakland and Houston are going to make the playoffs for sure. Um, you have to think at this point the Red Sox and the Rays are going to make the playoffs for sure, and that means the Yankees are going to be fourth and in the wild card fourth or fifth not not a bad showing if you're minnesota but if you're the first or second highest payroll and you're the new york yankees and you haven't won a world series now in 12 years it it's it's time to start asking who's in charge yeah they are uh currently four and a half five back in the division four and a half back for in the wild card chase um so, and their record is 40 and 35. So, yeah, I mean, they're five games over 500, right? As we steam into, as we steam into the midpoint, right? You're, you're looking at a world in which, um, in which they're going to, they're going to have 42, 43 wins. And that's, like I said, 85, 86, 87 at the end of the year. Yeah. It, now it, in fairness this year, all the numbers are down, right? Uh, in terms of wins versus losses uh so you know 40 is not great but really only like i said five games separate them and the rays so yeah i mean but the but the fact is is that they're just i mean you've got three or four players on this team who do not belong <laughs> right now do not belong in a starting lineup i mean i'm looking yeah. at glitter torres i'm looking at frazier Right, right off the top of you know, right at the top of my head, and DJ, man, what an interesting sort of disappointing sort of situation going on with him. I mean, you can tell just right away that when he's not on, uh, it really impacts the entire team. So. That's right. I mean, he's 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 probably the best player on the team, right? And 
he's hitting 60 points lower than he was last year. Um, and what's worse is, is that he's hitting probably, I, I have no statistics on this, but this is just a guess. He's probably hitting a hundred points less with guys on base. You know, last year he's automatic, you know, the guys on base, he did damage this year. It, it's nowhere near automatic. You know, he's part of the reason why the Yankees lead the league in double plays. Yeah. Terrible thing. Yeah. To say. It's the truth, right? Yeah. I mean, I guarantee, again, don't know this for sure, but I guarantee you Yankees lead the league in both double plays and guys left on base. Yeah. That, that tells you something about your hitting when you need to hit, right? <laughs> and, and also lead the league in game-ending triple plays that they've, that they've produced. Which yeah, you, you know, you think about some of that stuff. If they hadn't like pulled a couple of genies out of their out of their hats, yeah, they'd be three different, three or four games swing. Right, they'd be worse. I mean, yeah. they'd be they'd be a legit five hundred team. We'd be looking at eighty wins. What yeah. I don't know, what I don't know is, um, you know, two things. Right, one is, I don't know who's going to get fired. I'm pretty confident it's going to be Aaron Boone because if they fired Cashman, it would be an acknowledgement by the owners that they made a mistake and owners hate it, hate admitting, making a mistake. Rich guys in general don't admit making mistakes. Baseball team owners are, are especially subject to that. The other thing that it just as a New Yorker just makes me ill. Um, we got the Mets coming up in a subway series in a three game subway series. I fully expect the Mets are going to sweep us. And that, that is going to be cause for me both to reflect on my own choices in life. <laughs> and but also probably, you'll have to deal with Kirpin. I was going to say, it's probably going to require me to beat the living hell out of Phil Kirpin. <laughs> you know, which, so, which, I don't, which I don't want to do. Phil's like one of my favorite guys, but I just, you know, I, I know he's going to, he is going to rightly give me, give me lip about it. And, you know, as a, as a New Yorker, I'm just going to have to hit him. So anyway, I did just, just bad things all around. Yeah. So hopefully Luke Voigt, uh, you know, stays healthy for the rest of the year and the Yankees have a shot of coming out of the deep, deep, deep cellar of having the worst first baseman in terms of production in the league. Uh, and then the guy who I'm hardest on and who even to this day, I would say, get rid of him uh gary's actually sanchez is actually coming on a little bit uh so it's good to see because he's just i mean every time you look at him up there it's just like oh here we go again his, but it's like, his, it's like, his, let me just say when he's up to bat it looks like he's like the part of it that i have the concern i have well not the one of the things that bugs me about him is and it's not his fault i mean just his his presence in the batter's box just looks like he just looks like he's depressed <laughs> right i don't know how to describe it any other way uh, but at least he's starting to connect which is good for him and that's what i was going to say he actually he seems more at ease when he's at the plate than he has been right like the beginning of the season you're like this guy's looking to strike out right he's, he's trying to strike out now he's 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 hitting the ball to the other field you know, he, he's comfortable with the idea of, hey, I'm going to get a single instead of a home run every time. You know, if, if he – I think he and Judge are going to have career years. Yeah. Which is he, weird, right? They're going to have career years, and the Yankees are going to miss the playoffs. In which, his, just, to, just to kind of put some numbers around, in his last 23 games, he's hit eight homers and, and harvested 18 RBIs. So 
yeah you know that's good and and like you said maybe he you know he kind of fixed his swing a little bit uh maybe that was part of it maybe like you said just that fit that change sort of kicked off a, a mental uh you know well i also have a theory i also have a theory about this like i have a theory about everything else you want to um as soon as higashioka took more of the catching burden mm -hmm. sanchez seemed to become a better hitter it's almost like when he didn't have to think about catching every day he he relaxed and could become a better hitter you know most players would have gotten would have that would have caused him to get tenser i don't think he likes catching hmm yeah, maybe he'll end up being the first baseman. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, it, it's it's traditionally Yankee story, right? We got we got eight designated hitters, and you know, four guys who can play the field. So all right-handed. So uh, it, yeah. you know, honestly, like I've been, the games are starting earlier out here, which is good, but I haven't really been. I, I've had a really tough time just sitting down and enjoying a Yankees game uh, this year for some. For, not for some reason, but for the very reasons we're discussing. So, and Chapman, man, what, <laughs> those there's two games where he was saved by a triple play. Blue one save, and then the Yankees came back in the bottom of the ninth to save his save his butt again. So, I get it. Like he's still unbelievable, but he did not have a good month. Let's put it that way. He's blown three of his last eight save opportunities. Yeah. Um, which I have to be honest with you, I'm completely glad about, and I'll tell you why. Because that whole thing about staring somebody, staring at somebody after he like registers the last out, yeah, is ridiculous. It's not Yankee baseball. It's not fun. It's not good. It's mean spirited. It's stupid. It's pointless, and it always comes back to bite you in the ass. It's like flipping the bat after a home run, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of glad that. The, the world has done what it does, right? It knocks him down a little Re bit. Revert back to the mean, right? It, it, it probably has helped his humility, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so. That, All right, well, I don't, we don't want to bore our audience too much more about. Sure we do, what the hell? Base. Well, actually, our audience is really just us. <laughs> so maybe we just not worry about it. <laughs> Unless we start doing some damn marketing, man. I mean, we're making these amazing episodes, right? So I, 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 I heard the, I heard like the marketing guy was in the building the other day. I was I almost wanted to just shake his hand, maybe just get him to sign something. Uh, we got to get on that. Uh, it's, it's on my end. Uh, it's on, it's on me, gang. It's on me. All right. Uh, I want to talk about a Supreme Court ruling. Uh, Which one? The one where the. Uh, by a verdict of six to three, the uh, Supreme Court ruled that in, in the decision called Holly Frontier Cheyenne Refining versus, versus RFA, Renewable Fuels Association, reaffirmed uh, the SRE process under the RFS, the small refinery exemption process. Yeah. Um, Congress uh, had intended uh, for these exemptions for, by the way, just going all the way back here, this is a horrible government program, the renewable fuel standard, which you couldn't come up with a more incoherent, dumb policy uh, than mandating uh, 
volumes of ethanol to be blended in gasoline tied to um, the amount of, ga of, of gasoline sold in the country, which when they made this stupid law predicted that it would continue to rise as far as the eye can see. They created all these ridiculous things called RINs, um, this fake paper that, pe that these poor refiners have to like buy and sell these credits, uh, et cetera. Long story short, the um, courts, some judge, I can't remember, you probably have a better handle on this, said that um, these, exempt, these exemptions were um, basically null and void uh, because of some technical deal uh, or interpretation of the law. So the yeah. court basically said, no, you, the administration can do these exemptions, but really this is a half victory. It's a great victory and that it reaffirmed that at least the federal government can issue these exemptions but it really depends. It's up to the Biden administration. The, the Biden White House can, the EPA can can or not do it. And now we have to basically put pressure on them to do something here. Am I am I reading that right? Yeah. What what the deal is? The Tenth Circuit. Um, this case was brought by the RFA that said, "Hey, EPA is abusing the the SRE process, right? Small refiner exemption process, and that the Act says that." The act, the CRFA's argument that the act says you had to have um, had a continuous hardship in meeting, you know, the, the in meeting the um, strictures for the for the to get the exemption. Tenth Circuit agreed with the RFA. By the way, it's an argument that's more or less whole cloth, right? It's made up out of whole cloth. Tenth Circuit agreed. Everybody fell during this Trump. Just this was during the Trump administration. Everybody fell on fell on us like an ocean. Said you've got to appeal that Tenth Circuit decision, right? And you, <laughs> inside the administration, there was like a bunch of people who are like, we should, you know, who are like, why, why are we standing here? We definitely should should um, uh, appeal it. And there was a bunch of people who were like, no, 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 this is a good way out of this thing, right? This solves our problem. That way we don't have to worry about these SREs, right? Because they're always a thing, right? And uh, uh, um, what's his name? John Barrasso held up a couple of EPA nominees over it until we, until we said, yeah, we're going to go appeal it, right? So Supreme Court said, no, you know, there's no way that interpretation is correct. But you are completely correct. You know, all it does is pass it back to the Biden administration, which is going to grant some. It's going to grant some, but it's not going to grant that many, right? And then the other thing that's coming, you know, the RVO that's coming in November is is going to be much more material to what happens than the than the small refiner exemption. That said, better to win than lose, and um, you know, puts the Biden guys in a spot where they have to same spot. Trump guys were in, right? Got to pick between small refiners and corn growers. And that's just not a good spot to be in. Yeah. And honestly, like the way that the world is working right now, uh, you know, and we've harped on this already, but there's too many uh, ironies about the fact that these, you know, renewable fuels, the big corn lobby, big ethanol has, you know, basically just it's almost like the media and Trump, right? This in instant knee-jerk opposition to anything that the, uh, you know, oil oil industry or the refinery industry is is for talking about. Um, and and case in point, the idea of boosting octane in fuel 
would be better for the ethanol industry because the alternative is no fuel at all. Uh, and you can't splash ethanol into uh, an electric vehicle, right? And so, you know, the, they'd be better off forming an unholy alliance against the Greens, um, but they haven't, you know, there's been no, no, no sign there of thaw, if you will. So, no, that's right. It, it's, we're now, we're now, um, we're now almost eight months away from, from an election, from that election, right? Um, and I, to my mind, this is the simplest thing I've ever heard of, um, but it's kind of the, the, the big brains in ethanol land have, have not seen fit to do it, right? They'd rather, they'd rather scramble for a bigger piece of a smaller pie than, than fight for the bigger size pie. Um, I, I, here's, here's how the world is, right? Um, you, tell, column, you tell us, Mr. McKenna. I wrote a column about, uh, <laughs> I wrote a column about uh, the Iowa, Iowa voters, um, Iowa state legislature rejected an E15 mandate, right? Um, and one sentence in there said, hey, you know, ethanol is uncontested, you know, the uncontested fact that ethanol damages internal combustion engines, right? Which to my mind is uncontested, but apparently people want to contest it, right? So the whole column goes on about how, you know, importance of it mentions work we've done, right? That when you frame up a quite when you frame up a policy question on who should decide, right? Voters always have this crazy idea that they should decide. Um, the ethanol guys ignored all six all all the other six hundred words in that column. The ones they focused on was the uncontested fact that ethanol damages engines in terms yeah. of engines, and they 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 literally hit me with some emails. Yeah, I'm like you know, like are you do you want to you know is this is this a hill you want to die on? Are you sure yeah. you want to throw up this hornet's nest? I'm just like, are you guys for real? Yeah, I'm not kidding. I've I've gotten <laughs> the same, uh, I've gotten the same blowback. Uh, <laughs> whenever I've taken these guys on, they're very good at like circling the wagons, right? So. I mean, they're they're ultimately trivial, right? They're like everybody else who who picks up a rent from the federal government, right? Yeah. They're completely and utterly trivial. You know, their their focus is solely on making sure they get that gravy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem. Uh, this is a huge problem because we're seeing more and more this government sort of this notion that we ought to be like China, right? Um, you know, Stephen Moore's committee to unleash prosperity daily hotline thingy um, chatted about this, right? Um, you know, Brian Deese, the NEC guy who used to be yeah. at BlackRock, of course, and helped Larry Fink work on destroying our, our values in our country through his woke ESG garbage. Anyway, I, I'll just read the quote from him the idea of an open free market global economy ignores the reality that China and other countries are playing by a different set of rules. Strategic public investment, AKA corporate welfare to shelter and grow champion industries is a reality of the 21st century economy, yeah. unquote. Yeah, you know, it's, it, 
I saw that quote. I saw that quote. Um, you know, the funny thing about that is <laughs> it, the way he phrased it, right, as a reality of the 21st century, that's almost word for word the quote, the, the kind of words that the, that the Bush administration used with respect to ethanol. Yeah. Circle back with respect to ethanol, right? Careful, you're, you're bringing Jen Psaki into this. Come on. Uh, you know, it, 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 they used to say, hey, man, the only thing we know about the, the future is we're definitely going to have more biofuels. I'm just like, okay. And the other, the other way they said it was the other thing we know is we're going to have constraints on carbon. We know that. And I'm thinking to myself, this was like 30 years ago. And I'm like, it, that's totally wrong in both cases, but okay. And it's wrong in Deese's case, right? Anytime anybody says stuff like that, I'm instantly thinking that's got to be wrong, right? Well, here's, here's, what, here's what the next century is going to be like. You guys are wrong about all of this stuff. You guys have been wrong about everything for the last 50 years. How do you have so much confidence in your judgment? Yeah, but the other problem is, is that, you know, uh, these corp, you know, these corporations are happy to play ball because much sure, like during COVID, the big boxes, the big guys made out like bandits. And uh, I've, I'm not going to pull any of these clips because uh, it, there's just a lot to, to, to sort of unpack with them. I, I ran into a Larry Fink interview and, you know, he basically is saying like the new normal is public private you know collaboration because we got to tackle this climate change business and we got to do this and we got to do that and we got to socialize corporate you know profits and yada 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 like this is this is nutball stuff and hopefully it's a fad but you know when you're I mean, I've heard people tell me like, hey, this Larry Fink stuff is killing us because, you know, they're making us do all this garbage and we got to do it because they got too much money invested in X, Y, or Z or ABC. So, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, anytime somebody talks about public partner, public, public, private partnerships, you know, I always read, I always change the language on it and was like, yeah. So what you mean is socialized cost and privatized profits. I get it. Right. You know, that's what a guy. That's what he means. So, it it it. I encourage everybody to put the same translator on. <laughs> uh, yeah. We we our job is to unpack uh, Washington wiggle words uh, like standard as opposed to a government mandate it's or investment as opposed to a tax. It's a standard. Uh, it's a standard, uh, Tom. It, it's it's fifty five is not a speed limit. It's a speed standard. Yeah. All right. Uh, in other legal news, another win for big oil, which has been uh, portrayed by the uh, mainstream media as this big, big, big shocking loss. Uh, I, I, actually, let me just read it to you. This is right from an NBC News article. Uh, mid-June here, June 15th, because I don't think we talked about the ban, the judge's deal in the last episode, did we? Anyway, let me read it. In a setback for President Joe Biden's efforts on climate change, that's how it started. 
<laughs> a federal judge in Louisiana on Tuesday blocked the administration's quote unquote temporary ban on new leases to drill for oil and gas on public lands and ordered that the lease sales continue. The Interior Department said it would comply with the decision, signaling that the lease sales to drill in Alaska and in the Gulf of Mexico will likely resume at least for now. So yeah. Darty, uh, the judge, uh, said his order applies nationwide mi millions and possibly billions of dollars are at stake he wrote in a 44 page memo accompanying the injunction local government funding jobs for plaintiff state workers and funds for the restoration of louisiana's coastline are at stake yada yada yeah let me um, let me fix that let me fix that lead for you let me fix that lead for you a louisiana judge found today that the Biden administration's illegal pause on oil, illegal stop of oil and gas permitting. A Louisiana judge today issued an injunction against the Biden administration's illegal um, refusal to issue oil and gas permits, period. Yeah. That, there you go. <laughs> and a blow to our planet. <laughs> let me, let me, solve, let me solve that lead for you. But my favorite thing is the Greens must be seething because this is their right out of their playbook, right? Find that judge in Montana to kill Keystone, to kill Dakota Access, to kill da 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 da. And I guess um, the good guys found a judge as well. So, but again, I know I'm a broken record, but this goes all the way back to the fact that we have a completely dysfunctional United States Congress, the legislative branch is incapable of doing anything meaningful. And that is my segue to you, Mr. McKenna, with our infrastructure update. Oh, brother. Yeah. So give us the latest, sir. <laughs> everybody, everybody saw what happened, right? I mean, you know, we have a deal and then 90 minutes later president's like oh yeah well i mean i'm not signing that thing without the without the reconciliation which uh, <laughs> which was great it's like which was which was great for two reasons um three reasons one is um, it gave some clarity right i wasn't sure if reconciliation was going to be a full substitute or a sidecar or an addition or whatever so it's going to you know they have it in their heads democrats have it in their head it's going to be a, an addition um, great because uh, we predicted it a month ago um, and, you know, and I was entertained by the fact that everyone seems surprised. I'm amazed. I'm like, why are you amazed? The Democrats have been talking about this for a month, you dummies. Um, everybody seems surprised. And then, it, and then the third thing is everyone seems surprised, including the five Republicans who had just been used as props in a photo op in the White House driveway an hour and a half before by the president, they seemed especially surprised. I'm like. Well, let, let's make sure our viewers are fully up to speed here. Uh, uh, you want me to go through what was announced? Just very, very, yeah, just the high level okay. stuff. Okay, the, the president announced that he had a deal with, with 20 senators split equally among the parties on infrastructure for about a $1.2 trillion infrastructure, including about $550, $580 billion in, quote, new money. And what they mean by that is money above and beyond gas tax revenues that they're going to get, right? Um, yeah. So 
that so so a 600 billion dollar plus up is the way to think about it right administration originally wanted a um, 1.4 trillion dollar plus up for a two billion dollar package so um, about a month ago the the administration and the democrat leadership democratic leadership in the house and senate started to talk about doing that deal and reconciliation as well right where they would jam everything into reconciliation that they didn't get in the deal okay uh, a blind squirrel could have seen this coming right that that um they're going to do both, right? They're going to take the deal and then jam every jam the Republicans on reconciliation. I thought that was obvious. I wrote it in a June note. I wrote it in a column, for God's sake. I mean, I wrote it in a column. I couldn't have made it any freaking easier. Um, and then when it, when the whole thing unraveled on uh, Thursday morning, uh, and the president said, hey, no, we're going to do a reconciliation at the end of this, and I'm not going to sign this without that. The Republicans seemed genuinely surprised, including, <laughs> including Bill Cassidy, who's like, I never realized that, like, you know, those two things were going to be linked and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Senator Bill Cassidy said he felt blindsided by the uh, linkage. Oh, my God. I'm like, you, I'm not sure who looked more fool, who, who, who made the Republicans look more foolish? The president, the fact that, you know, you were outwitted by a 78-year-old guy whose intellectual skill is diminished, um, or, or the Republicans themselves by saying, we were caught totally by surprise. I'm like, <laughs> Bob Portman, said, several sources said Portman was, quote, unquote, pissed and disappointed and made it clear that while Biden has every right to pursue a reconciliation, linking the two pieces were not part of their deal with the White House. Had they not been hearing the AOCs of the world, the progressives saying that they're not they're going to derail this until they get a, unless and until they get a vote on reconciliation? It it did they? Uh, you know, I I said I, I said I, I said this about uh, three or four weeks ago now, I'll say it again, because um, the numbers have changed a little bit. We have about a 35% um, chance that we're gonna have reconciliation and this something that looks like this deal, right? Um, it, Republicans would be complete and utter morons to vote for this thing at this point, but you never can tell. I, I, will, I will say, I'm glad that Mitch, Senator McConnell did his thing too, right? He, you know, after everybody got on the planes on Thursday afternoon, they asked him about it, and he's like, "Yeah, we're not doing that. We're not voting for any of that stuff." Um, <laughs> well, oh, well, friend. but okay. So maybe they end up not voting for it, Mr. McKenna. But the, it, they've already given they, them the photo. Look, let me let me tell you what the let me tell you what the uh, Republicans have agreed to now, right? Uh, in terms of yeah. In terms of their new floor for, well, well, be for things. Let's be careful. This is what the this is what the 10 Republicans involved in negotiations. Yeah, okay, you're right. Let's clarify. These 10 Republicans voted for or, or put a marker down on legislation that did not insist on Keystone. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Yeah. Let me just put one more sentence in here. The 10 people who negotiated it and obviously 
probably not the 10 sharpest tools in the Republican senatorial box. Okay, now go ahead. Okay, they did not insist on Keystone, which obviously would have been, you know, uh, you know. A de minimis. Yeah, they basically signed off on hundreds of billions of dollars of spending on programs that they have panned as Green New Deal policies. Mm -hmm. They agreed to double the size of the IRS. They agreed to 49 billion in, in uh, mass transit. They agreed to, uh, you know, basically resurrect Obama's train to nowhere. They agreed to spend, what did you say the number was? Uh, seven, 17 billion? For 15 on, on evening. 15 billion. Yeah. Uh, they agreed to help bail out Amtrak again and um, basically agreed that big labor would get all of their concessions in, 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 this, in terms of contracting and everything else. So that's, that's not too bad. And what did they get for, and what did they get? Well, I mean, they, what theoretically what they thought they were getting, I don't know what they thought they were getting, what they should have gotten was a deal that foreclosed all of the American families plan and most of the tax stuff and 600 trillion 600 billion dollars in infrastructure which you know if you think about it the biden administration was teeing us up for a for a um you know for a five trillion dollar spending spree so if you think okay i've got them down to 1.2 trillion and only 600 billion in new money i've won 90 percent of the battle great i win <laughs> But if you do reconciliation, then you basically just give it up everything. Yeah, of course. Right? I mean, you know, they, look, it's not a bad deal all by itself. I mean, I know, I know Stephen Moore is like, bah, 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 but you know what? Guys like Stephen Moore have never actually counted votes in their lives. So they don't understand. Uh, Here's your choices. Get jammed or do something. Um, and, you know, if, you, if, you, if, if this deal was all they were going to get, that's a great deal. But if you put the reconciliation on it, it's a terrible idea. And I, I myself was, you know, I, I kept thinking to myself as this was going on, I'm like, these guys have to have some kind of agreement with their Democratic counterparts that this is the entirety of the deal. I'm like, nobody could do this if you think you're getting reconciliation. Uh -huh. Which is why I was amazed when every single Republican walked out of there and goes, I was amazed that we're getting reconciliation. I'm like, how in the hell do you not talk about that? It, it's, I'm, I'm sensitive to what Stephen Moore's saying. I'm, I'm a little bit nonplussed by guys like Robbie Portman, who used to be an OMB director, for God's sake. He must understand how budget deals work. Yeah, but, well, he's leaving. So, huh? He's leaving. Don't forget. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, but I mean, it, 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 all of your, all of your brains go somehow fly out the door when you're, when you're, you know, eminent. I was, retirement's I was eminent. So, <laughs> you know what? If I was a Republican who had, who had made this deal and like then got hosed, the last thing I would have said was, I'm totally shocked and surprised. I would have said, yeah, I was kind of worried about that. You know, <laughs> but I mean, they all said the same thing. I'm shocked. I'm pissed. I'm amazed. I'm like, how could, seriously, how could you people be amazed? Did you just get here? I know. 
Anyway, uh, the good news is, is that um, the progressives have basically, I'm trying to find this quote from AOC. It's so, it's so good, but I can't seem to locate it anymore. Um, decided that they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to help us get out of the ditch. No, no. She said, look, you know, this is all fine and good, but we're not, we're not doing, we're not voting for this thing until we get a vote on, on, on the reconciliation. And oh, by the way, we think Bernie's bu budget is a floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's amazing the world we live in right now. It's just uh, shocking to me. Yeah, let me, okay, so last thought on this. And it is yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, and then let's do an end game here. Where are you on end game? On well, that's, where I'm, that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, we're we have about a forty percent chance that nothing's going to happen here, right? That that the deal now is going to fall apart, and that reconciliation is going to fall apart. Let me explain to you why. Um, deal's going to fall apart because the progressives won't vote for it, right? Right. It, it will it will not have enough votes in the House of Representatives. It will not have enough votes in the United States Senate. Right? Um, and keep in mind, you know, it, it, a, a deal absent reconciliation is going to require sixty in the Senate, right? Um, so you could wind up in a situation where the deal doesn't has insufficient votes and you are right now in a situation where reconciliation has insufficient votes and i'll tell you why i think that if they had the votes for reconciliation or the budget resolution that underpins it they would be voting on it right now right if they had their votes they'd have they would they would not they would not be talking they would be voting um because if you start the process now, you do the budget resolution now. You write your you write your reconciliation instructions in August. You get something passed in September. Um, you know you're starting to get into some dangerous territory because the debt ceiling's coming up, and the debt ceiling can't get fixed in reconciliation. It's going to require um, 60 votes, right? So, you know if you're if you're if you're thinking about the schedule, your timing is starting to run out. And you're going to bump up against that debt ceiling, which could ripen at any moment, right after August fifteenth, um, and that gives the that gives the Republicans enormous leverage to hose you. So anyway, long story short is there's about a um, forty percent chance that we have nothing, that that we get you know nothing has enough votes to pass that um, Ed Markey and Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez turn out to be um, legislative arsonists and just light everything on fire. Um, I think it would be catastrophic for the Biden administration, but you know what? They, they're the guys who just started this thing, right? They're, they, they, they could have taken the deal and shut their mouths. Yeah. Just didn't want to. <clears throat> yeah, that's, the, that's part of the problem here is they can't like- they, Last thought? There's no discipline. There's just- No, no, no I'm a, I, I'm, Okay, two things. I'm amazed. You know, I keep thinking these guys are solid professionals, but the fact that they could let this thing get to where he walks out and does a conference, you know, does a press show with these guys and then puts a bullet in their head not two hours later, it's just unimaginably bad, right? The, the, the amount of, you, you have just taken every Republican who thought about working with you and made them into a profound skeptic of your ability. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, that nobody looked at, nobody paid attention to. Uh, week before last, five Democrats sent a letter to Nancy Pelosi saying that they could not support a debt ceiling 
yeah vote we, we chatted about this briefly yeah unless there was unless that was placed on a sustainable trajectory put that in your pocket and think about it because that that those guys are going those guys are now no votes on a reconciliation so i'm not sure what happens here i'm not i really not that we are we are there, we are off a, the map yeah there's a lot going on plus uh i read something recently where they're like Pelosi is making sure all of her old people like get regular health checks and screens and everything. <laughs> like they can't, they can't afford to lose anybody else. DeSantis bottled up the Elsie Hastings special into it, January. It it um right. They have just it, no margin. Yeah. And I say this, yeah, no, I, and I say this not for you. I say this because I know you know this. I say this for the audience, right? Um, rule number one in a legislative body is if you have the votes, right. you, vote. you vote. Right. You vote. I, trust you, me, I've been there. I've, yeah, I know. I've lived that, lived that yeah. world. So. Yeah. The thing is, it's just so embedded in your bones. You don't even think about it. You're just like, hey, man, you know, you, you, you have the votes, you vote. Um, if you don't have the votes, you talk. And um, on this reconciliation thing, there's been a lot of talk. There hasn't been any kind of movement to vote, um, which tells me the Senate doesn't have the votes. I don't think the House has the votes either. Not yet. They might. They might not. Yeah. It's cool. I'm digging it. It's fun. I Um, mean, mean, not if you're Robbie Portman, who just got made to look like a fool (laughs) in front of the nation, but... But nobody really like cares yeah. all that much uh, <laughs> about, about that. So that's the good news. Um, all right. So in some political news, uh, Cory Garner uh, announces that he will no longer seek uh, seek office ever anywhere. Uh, AKA he took a job on K Street. Yeah. Uh, with, with Michael Best Strategies, right? Yeah, Michael Best Strategies, the lobby firm run by former RNC chair and White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus. Yeah. So. Um, I, don't, I, I guess that's good. I don't know. Eh, you know, it is, is what that, it is. is that, I, I just I thought still, I'd share that data point because we, t- we talked about the fact that if he had, if he lived anywhere but Colorado uh, these days, he he had the potential to be a fairly you know rising star in the party. See, uh, I think I think you and I know Corey well enough to know that he's going to think about a cabinet spot in the next Republican administration. I mean, I'm sure he's thinking about running for president at some point in his life. Yeah, and all of these guys are right. I yeah. mean, I, you know, I, I have expect Will Hurd's going to run for president in seventy. In 2024, I almost said 76. I don't know why. So yeah, uh, Gardner is the latest of of a long list of lawmakers who have uh, joined the ranks of K Street Shimkus, uh, Pat Roberts. I, I mean, I I, <laughs> I thought, <yeah. laughs> what's the deal there, right? <laughs> Come on, man, just go have fun with your wife. Like, hang out. Like, go to. Sh- Go 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 on like a spiritual Seriously. journey or something. Let it go. Move on. So Doug Jones, Mike Conway, Greg Walden, Pete Olson. Uh, yeah. you know, 
Greg Walden went with the Alpine group, which is weird, right? But well, he formed like an Alpine Partners or something. He, he formed, yeah, he formed Alpine Advisors. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to be, how that's different from the Alpine group. So anyway, that's our, our lobbying update uh, for the week. So. <laughs> just, a, just a hell of a lot of lobbyists. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and you, know the, you know the funny thing is, this, was, this is actually funny. Every lobbyist got on, got on record Thursday about how great the infrastructure deal was. And not a single one of them was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that the whole thing got just got blown up. Right. It, it was so. It's the currency, right? I get embarrassed. I get embarrassed um, for my profession sometimes because I'm like, okay, either you guys don't know anything, usually true, or you guys are so tangled up in chasing cash that you literally can't step back and take a look and just say, how's this actually going to work? And the answer is, it's not going to work. Right. Anyway. So. Now, I got a curveball for you. Uh, I don't. We didn't talk about this already, uh, so I wanted to get your get your take on it. Uh, yeah. This is from the New York Times, January twenty third. India Walton stuns longtime incumbent in Buffalo mayoral primary. Yeah, yeah, it's socialist. Yeah. Yeah, a progressive challenger running her first campaign beat Buffalo's four-term Democratic mayor in a primary upset on Tuesday that could upend the political landscape in New York's second biggest city and signal the strength of the party's left wing. The challenger, India B. Walton, is a nurse and community activist who ran with the support of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Working Families Party. When AP called the race Wednesday, she was leading Byron Brown, a longtime member of the Dem machine, I'm paraphrasing, by seven percentage points or about 1,500 votes with all of the in-person ballots counted. Should Walden triumph in the general, which is a likely result in heavily democratic Buffalo, she would be the first female in, there in Buffalo's history and first socialist mayor of an American city since 1960. Yeah, so. the guy in Milwaukee. Yeah, I saw that. Is that right? Bernie Sanders was a mayor of Ver Burlington. Burlington. Yeah. Was he not a socialist when he was the mayor of Burlington? Uh, or was Burlington not a major city? Maybe that's maybe that's the caveat. I don't know. It it, it seemed it seemed a little. Too cute by half, but I, yeah, I, I oh, I'm with, I, I can't. I mean, I'm, I'm having been born in Buffalo, uh, I, I mourn for the city. Well, <laughs> this I, is going to be a bad experiment for an already like near dead town. So, well, I mean, the, the but I want to get your take on the the. Is this yeah. a COVID hangover? Is this too too tight with too tight with uh, Cuomo? No, uh, I mean, there's what's going on here because this yeah, is a pretty big deal. It, it it's a fairly big deal, yeah. And and I think I think what it what's going on is the um, you know, we're watching the we're watching the the Tea Party on the left, right? Yeah. You know, we're we're we are watching the Democrats um, figure out how far their their rubber band can actually stretch in both directions, right, left and really, but really left. And this is this is. This is the, probably the furthest left they're going to get to go. I will say this much, right? The left, 
the left, the, the far left, kind of like the far right, does better in low salience, low turnout elections. And what that by that I mean elections which aren't really about anything and elections in which turnout is fairly modest. I mean, I, I want to say there's only like, there are only 20,000. She's going to win that race with like 20,000 votes and only like 40,000 like, you know, votes cast. Um, you know, you think about it on the Republican side, it's a Marjorie Taylor Greene kind of deal, right? You're just like, how that person sneak in? And the answer is right time, right guy, right place, just an accident, right? If you're a Democrat in Buffalo, you got to be looking at it like, well, what do we really have to lose, right? We played this game. We played this game for the last 50 years and it's gotten us nothing. And we try something a little different. I mean, it seriously, what's the Democratic machine in Albany done for Buffalo yeah. since the recession of oh, 1958, gosh. right? Yeah, yeah but know. that's a little bit of kind of what Trump said too, right? So. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little, and that's what concerns me, right? You, you look at a place like Buffalo, you think, Okay, socialism is not a good answer, but maybe no. you try a Republican and see how that turns out. Yeah, it, the fact that the Republicans couldn't manage to have it managed to like make inroads in the cities is a concern, right? Uh, yeah, it's for, not for lack of effort. I mean, there's been some fanfare around a few, you know, primary where Republicans kind of walk around in yeah. the district or the city and say this is what you've been buying for the last 50 years but they they're not really they're not getting quite there yet i want to play a, a clip from her victory just uh just to give her uh, uh that's terrifying go ahead yeah, Let's i want it. you to hear it because it's it's well I'll, I'll play it we can chat about it thank you thank you thank you thank you this victory is ours and it is the first of many. Right. You are in an elected office right now. You are being put on notice. basically muted into a, a, a no justice, no peace rally, but it's like a threat. <laughs> well, you know, it's almost exactly, it's almost exactly what we were hearing in 2010 from the Tea Party guys, right? You, you, yeah, we're coming for you. Um, you know, Donald Trump, casts a long has cast a long shadow across american politics right he is he has right and left he has expanded everybody's sense of you know the possible hey, yeah. hey he won we could win he made you know he basically ignored the republicans we could ignore the democrats um i think it's great i mean i th think it's terrible for buffalo that they did this stupid thing but i I think, generally speaking, the expansion of opportunities is great. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I just think that the policies are going to uh, oh, come terrible. back. You know, I mean, it's a yeah, free for all, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know if you saw this, but like every member of the Portland like riot squad or whatever resigned in mass. Yeah. Like they've had enough. Like it's done. Like they're done with all these games. So yeah. and and that's the thing about it, right? You can't you can't you can't run a city without throwing people in jail occasionally, right? Yeah. yeah. It it I will say two things, right? I don't I'd like to I'd like to think about what it means for Lee Zeldin, right? Running running the Republican running for New York governor. I gotta think it helps, right? Because I think there's it's one of those things, it's a clarifying event for both sides, right? Everyone's like, wait a minute. Um, and I also wonder, what does it mean to Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, right? She's the leader of the Democratic Party in New York State, make no doubt about it, right? But it sounds to me like this lady's probably to her left. Yeah. I wonder what she's going to do with pressure from the left now, which she hasn't had, right? All her pressure's been from the right. What's she going to do with pressure from the left? You know, when this... When this when this when this new mayor starts barking at her about something, what's she gonna do? Well, best of luck, Buffalo. Go Bills. So. Uh, I just yeah, go go Bills. Move to a different city. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I want to play this little ditty. Uh oh, from one of our f- most favorite U.S. senators on the planet. Uh, ready? Sure. Dad, back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now, your family's been members. Your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, Do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. We just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. Your car's here. You have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear his aide say, your car's here. You have to go <laughs> shuffle off to your all-white <laughs> privileged private beach club in Rhode Island. Oh. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, two things about that that, that kind of get lost in the, got lost in the story. Uh-huh. Um, that I thought were really interesting. One is, is that the beach club, the Bailey Beach Club, that uh, his grandfather was actually a member as well, right? Um, I forget his grandfather's first name, but his middle name was Sheldon and his last name was Whitehouse, right? So the guy he was named after was a member of the club and, and apparently a wheel, like a president of the club, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So this is not like a, um, hey, you know, I, I, I got to be attorney general of Rhode Island and kind of wound up with this club membership as, you know, an ex officio thing or, hey, you know, they gave it to me and I took it and I hadn't thought about it, blah, 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 uh-uh. This guy's been, this guy's been a part of this operation no. since he was born. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and the other thing that I thought was interesting was a couple of years back, the reason why his wife has a bunch of shares in the club 
is the he transferred him to her. Correct. Ding that, ding ding. You know, he a couple of years ago he transferred them to her, which tells you that he knew that this thing was gonna smell bad. And, and he, he never wanted to he I had no intention of like leaving. He's of course not. And he still doesn't, right? And you saw it's not just it, it's not just the beach club, right? It's he's got a sailing club. He's part of a sailing club that's all <laughs> as well. Um he, he's which you know, I'm thinking myself. Somebody should ask John Kerry if his sailing clubs are integrated. Um, I have been watching this thing with fascination for the last couple of days. I don't know what I think about it. And I'm trying real hard not to think too much about it because uh, Senator Whitehouse is, as we all know, a terrible person. Um, he's not a good person. And um and I hate to I hate to do a victory dance on a guy who's a terrible person until I know everything. What's striking is is that nobody has called for his resignation from either club, right? If I was if I was a Republican, it would be top of my list. I would I would, I would start riding him every day about it. Of course, and they should, but no. If it, if it were reversed, if it was a mid-level Republican in the Senate. I guarantee you they'd be getting crucified. I mean, I would do a rolling block out, a, a rolling blockade on Fox News. Can, can we remind like, our our listeners about what happened to Trent Lott? Trent not Lott, that he wasn't a horrible person too, but Trent Lott's not a horrible person. Trent no, Lott, Trent Lott, Trent Lott got in trouble precisely because he wasn't a horrible person. He said something nice about um, Strom Thurmond. On the occasion of Strom Thurmond's death, he yeah. said something. He said some, something nice about a dead guy. Yeah, he and was got, run out and like, got run out of being leader in the Senate. Um, that this is this yeah. is so bad. Let, let, let me tell you my favorite Sheldon Whitehouse story. Give you an idea how terrible he is. Yeah, he was asking. He was asking a uh, uh, witness, um, the satellite guy. Um, uh, the satellite guy from Huntsville, Alabama, from University of Alabama in Huntsville. Um, I can't remember his name. Mark Christie. He had him. He had him as a witness, and he asked him about it. He started asking him about his religious beliefs. You know, did he believe in God and all that stuff? And I thought to myself, that is so far out of. He was trying to impeach him, right? He's trying to say, hey, you believe in God, and therefore, you know, you're not a credible scientist, right? Um, and right then I concluded, you know, up to then I thought, well, maybe Sheldon Hunt Whitehouse is just a guy who's misguided. He's not misguided. He's a terrible person. And this stuff confirms he's a terrible person. And is, is the fact that he transferred the shares to his wife confirms he's a terrible person. I'm. Hey, if you're out there and you're listening, Senator Whitehouse, please send me one of your letters. I want to come up to the Hill. Oh, yeah. I give you a response letter because. Oh man, I'll have so much fun with that, especially in light of this little deal. It's a, uh, dear Senator, it's a long tradition. <laughs> long, I have a long tradition of telling people like you to go to hell. Yeah, um, man. My grandfather did it when he was when he was like you know living in Sicily. He told people to go to hell too. <laughs> it, um, well, that's the other thing that strikes me about these clubs is this this Bailey beach club and a sailing club so rhode island it's not terribly well known rhode island's the most catholic state in the union by percentage right um 
Portuguese, Italians, right? Yeah. What do you want to bet me that there are no Italians in those clubs? Mm, it's probably true. What do you so want to bet that, me that? Uh, what was that movie, um, Dirty Dancing, right? Yeah. Like, what do you want to bet me? Like one of those clubs. Bet me there's no. What do you want to bet me there's no Portuguese in those clubs either? It's probably true. You know, I mean, I bet you this. I I'm bet not going to take that bet because I think I might lose it, and I've been losing a lot of bets <laughs> <laughs> over the last few days, man. How far down are you, Tom? How far down are you? Oh, uh, I, I tell the people. Counted, I think we counted 450 around there. Now, I. I had uh, the other night. I had to claw back. I clawed sure. my way back from near zero uh, on the pie gal table, play a little pie gal poker, but I had to stay up until like two in the morning in order to only be down like a hundred on the table. So uh, I have, yeah, I, don't, I have not had a winning streak. Let's put it that way. Let's okay. That way. So last time I was in Vegas, true story. I'm up seven bucks for the trip, right? Nice. Is that including? So, how do you count your winnings? Is it just your gambling, or do you have to pay for your trip too? Oh no, just my gambling. Okay, ridiculous. I mean, I yeah. Okay. So I'm up seven bucks. Um, and and I win like three hundred bucks at the um at the one arm one of the one arm bandits at the airport on my way out yes and it's so bad they it's so bad that they they call my um they call my flight and i'm running around trying to get somebody to cash get the cash here to come cash you out right <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're stuck with the ticket till the next time right? you come back. that's all i can think of is i'm like well it's back. you know it's one of those things i had like you know 10 bucks i'd be like okay sure what the hell and it was it was so weird because I, I never i always lose money i never make money well, we have two weeks left here. Not so quite two weeks. So we're going to get it back and then some. I'm feeling it. So you'll be down by 900 by the time <laughs> we come back next week. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the good side of the equation, we have spent, uh, we've had a few fabulous meals. So I, got, I finally got to Nobu, which was cool. Got a little sushi. You know, I like my sushi. What's the Italian joint there that's olives? Rayo's. Olives? Rayos. Yeah, I'm thinking of something else. There's a lot. I mean, you name it, it's here, right? Old Homestead, they got a they got an outlet here. Um, Rayos, which you can't get into in New York. Um, we got a reservation for a place called Scarpetta on Sunday. Yeah. So uh, another really good Italian joint. And um and in and out. I did one in and out run so far only, and that's pretty good for me one so just one i'm trying i'm trying to keep my you know i'm trying Early to keep figure. the choices going um and the other good news is the other good news is i uh bought a new another new t-shirt um, down doing xl no more double x's baby oh i'm sorry another new in and out t-shirt of right? course yeah oh, okay. my collection of thousands of t-shirts <laughs> I mean, at some point you're gonna have to donate them all to a museum or something right yeah man when i'm famous in my memoirs so uh yeah vegas is treating us well we're, we're down to the low hundreds now uh so it's actually manageable uh so we're gonna consider now maybe taking that trip out to joshua tree so good um uh, can we do a biden block sure we <laughs> 
Wow, this week was there. There was a lot. This there is week. a lot. I've got some older ones though. Uh, I got one that's uh, a little bit. Let me see. What was the date? All right, let me just play it. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, let's yeah, play. Let's it. play it. All right. The Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're gonna have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit a type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. How, to, how do you unpack that whole thing, man? I mean... It's I, totally crazy, right? I, so. I mean, I, I get what he's saying. But you don't. Like, that's the deal. Right. You're like, okay, I, I get what I, I think I get what he, I think he's saying. But, you know, and he's like, ah, limits to what kind of people could buy guns, like, at the top of the, at the top of the thing. I was like, yeah, there is. Only white guys could pick it. So could buy guns. So, you know, it, 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 um. <laughs> and the nuclear weapons, I'm like, I, I wonder if somebody's going to tell them that the Vietnamese beat America with like basically handguns and the Afghanis just ran us out with basically handguns. And also the Second Amendment did prohibit uh, our, our beloved patriots from owning cannons. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing's just so... I love like, this guy. He's just so good. It, it's like I said, you know that I mean he's like he he gives you about thirty five percent of a thought. <laughs> yeah, you gotta fill in the rest, and it's it's like a psychological experiment, it's like psychology experiment. You're like, okay, what do you think this guy means? And you're like, I, well, okay, this, this, and this. It's like there's fifty years of stump speeches, canned responses, <laughs> like. Like yes. knee-jerk re reactions yeah. to, to sort of, you know, typical Democrat old line stuff. And his brain just can't like, <laughs> you know, it, it, he can't put them all together. He just mashes them up and like kind of throws this in and throws that in. That's, <laughs> that, that, is, that is great insight. That's exactly what it is. It's just like all this random stuff. And you're just like, okay, I got fragments of all those points. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let me do one more here because oh, this is more. new this is new information for me i did not realize uh i'll play it we can analyze it here we go for people there's a reason why it's been harder to get african-americans initially to get vaccinated because they used to be an experiment on the tuskegee airmen and others people have memories people have long memories it's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. So look, from day one, something that Governor Cooper has been totally focused on is making sure we get as many people vaccinated, particularly people who don't have access to health care usually, who don't have ordinary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right i <laughs> i 
do you do you think somebody told him that look dude first off it's latinos and second off like there's like 50 million of the damn 50 million people in the country are latinos and they're not they're citizens they're not going anywhere what okay but also i i know this is a sensitive t- t- subject but did the tuskegee airmen get experimented on no <laughs> i'm not trying to minimize the horrific thing that happened but I don't think that the Tuskegee Airmen were subjected to the, the syphilis experiment, the, the government experience. Correct. correct. I correct. could be wrong. You're, you're, you are, you are, but you are correct. But I'm not, like you say, I'm not sure you're allowed to be correct here. Like I said, <laughs> it's, it's like he gets about 35%. You're like, uh, yeah, okay. I know what he's saying, but it, he's so whatever. <laughs> like, they're gonna get deported i'm like what what are we deporting yeah. people nowadays are we even deporting people nowadays and i also uh don't i'm not sure why access to healthcare matters since the government is subsidizing all these vaccines anyway and you can basically uh, get them anywhere that you want to but uh that is a good that question you just posed is a good segue to Kamala visits the border. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, it is a it is a testament to President Trump's continuing um, relevancy, right? That she only scheduled she scheduled as a strong by the way, let me interrupt for a second. You were spot on, sir, in a previous episode. You said, I don't can she just over to El Paso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not even really a border town. Just get a couple fo- photo ops, call it a day. I laughed. <laughs> exactly what she did. did. But it took Donald Trump announcing his border visit for this thing to be sped up, as you mentioned. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so a, a a testament to you know when he when he wants to engage in the right way, he can be a he can be a pretty formidable. Um, pressure in in the american politics right um and and that's i mean he announced hey i'm going to the border presto two days later she shows up in el paso um Mm -hmm. and then poor henry cuellar he was reduced to writing a letter like some op-ed thing about how hey mrs vice president you know if you maybe came 800 miles east you could actually see what the real border looks like yeah i'm thinking myself henry you're 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 I love you, but you are barking up the wrong, the wrong tree, man. Yeah, the Republicans so, did did that jag too, like, oh, you didn't really visit the border, but we knew that they weren't going to anyway. So it it, it um, like I said, El Paso was always the right answer. You, you fly in, you fly out, you stand over yeah, the look at that. West Texas town of El Paso. Look, 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 look at all. I mean, okay, so have you been to El Paso? I have long time ago. Okay, what happens is is that is that the 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 Mexicans simply come on through and they go up to the hill and they go to the Walmart and they shop on Saturdays and then they go back to Mexico. It it's like the most orderly border crossing ever, right? And it's like routine and regular. That's where she went. I'm like, no, no shock. Nothing's gonna happen at that border crossing. Nothing ever happens at that border crossing except like a sale at Walmart, right? It's like the Japanese fly to Guam. For the day and shop at walmart it, fill, up, fill up their suitcases and go home it, it, it's you know it's it's 
it's insane. Henry Cuellar is right. President's right. Um, Vice President Harris, now she can say she's been to the border. Good for her. Good for her. She's Yay. Been to, she's been to Europe, too. No, not yet. She hasn't been to Europe. Not as an official. She's kind of snubbed for that G7 deal. By the way, there's a bo another Bojo clip. If we can get to it. I think I might close with. <laughs> this guy's a comedian at this point. I'm a, I, 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 don't, okay. I don't even want to think about that. Speaking of Trump, endorsed Kelly Shikaba. Did I say that right? I think it's Shabaka. Shabaka. Yeah, you're right. I, -A -K -A. I did a dyslexia thing there. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, let me read from her his endorsement. Lee gets to the point. Lisa Murkowski is bad for Alaska. Her vote to confirm Biden's interior secretary was a vote to kill long sought for and approved Anwar and Alaska jobs. Murkowski has got to go. Kelly is the candidate who can beat Murkowski and she will. She's MAGA all the way, pro-energy, strong on the border, tough on crime and support, totally supports our military and our great vets. I look forward to campaigning in Alaska for Kelly Shikaba. She has my complete capital and total endorsement, capital T, capital E. So, well, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it was from the boss if there wasn't like a word with yeah. I love it. It's like, such a great. <laughs> and you'd, you're like, okay, that that that's a forgery because there's not all capitals in there somewhere. Um, it it was bad in capitals too. Bad for Alaska. Alaska, uh, bad, I think, was all cap. No, yeah, bad should be all, was, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, bad should be all caps. Um, just order you know. is capitalized, crime is capitalized. I'll throw the endorsement in the show notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Military is capitalized, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't say when you said Anwar, is Anwar dash, which I got was the only president to get approved. So true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that race is going to be tough and I, I, you know, like it's a, it's a modified jungle primary, right. With the top four proceeding and all that other stuff uh, until this last thing on Thursday where the Biden administration made, 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 um, her and her friends look kind of foolish. I would have thought, um, Senator Murkowski would have, would, would wind up being, um, a potential, I don't want to say party switcher. I don't think she'd ever become a Democrat. But I could imagine her announcing she's going to be an independent and she's going to caucus with the Democrats, or just being independent. You know, her her um, her, her connection with the Republican Party, the National Republican Party, has been tenuous for a while. And she doesn't really need the Republicans to win in Alaska. She's won against the Republicans like one time already, right? Last time, Joe Miller was the Republican nominee, and she beat him on a she beat him on a write-in. So you know. And the Republican Party in Alaska is pretty predictably um, censuring her and endorsing Shabaka. I don't know what the actual value of that is. And I don't know. The value of the endorsement? Yes. And I don't know what. I think uh, I got an ax to grind with her. Although I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the Republican endorsement, not Trump's endorsement. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty confident in Alaska. If I could only have one of those, I'd have the Trump. I'd rather have the Trump endorsement. Yeah. I still think Murkowski is going to be a tough out. The bottom line is that family name is great, right? Everybody liked Frank and, you know, oh, yeah. she, she's, she has been a good Senator with respect to um, customer service, a less good Senator with respect to policy. 
but yeah. she's probably she's probably gonna have a bunch of money. Yeah, you know? I know the guy's raising her money. She's she they're 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 competent professionals, um, you know, which is weird because how much money can you really spend in Alaska? Yeah, we'll see. We're about to find out. We are, in fact, about to find out. So is you know, I haven't another, endorsed another, anybody. Another, this. <laughs> well, we're waiting for that because, however, that ends up, we'll we'll see. But it, it, we'll we'll see. Well, I mean, clearly he's uh, he's backing her, and apparently they she hired a bunch of Trumpy types, right? So this is going to be a test for Trump. So yeah, it, it's a bad it's a bad place to do something like that. Um, I agree because there's a lot of things about Alaska that the right. the mainstreamers just don't really get right there's just so much internal stuff going on and uh you know it's a very small town and i like to say it this way you know there's there's 27 people in alaska and unless you're one of them you don't know what the hell's going on right and that's just the way it is right um it, it, let me one quick observation on that right that that's why this endorsement is interesting right because he didn't have to um he really doesn't like Senator Murkowski. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of reasons not to. So. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, this is a this is a personal and policy driven thing. It is not a political calculation. All right, let's get in some energy real quick. Do a lightning round, shall we? Uh, we're running a little long here, but hey, what the heck? Our our viewers have have a whole weekend to enjoy Absorbing. unregulated podcasts. This is from the International Business Times, dated 625 yesterday. Headline, China blasts U.S. over trade restrictions on Xinjiang firms. Yeah. China on Friday hit out at a bandit-like, quote-unquote, U.S. government after <laughs> Washington banned imports Damn. of solar panel materials from a Chinese company and placed trade restrictions on four others for alleged use of forced labor in Xinjiang. The White House said on in a statement Thursday that the use of forced labor, AKA slave labor, was part of Beijing's systematic effort to repress millions of ethnic Uyghurs and other minorities in the far west region. Washington said that Hoshine Silicon industry would not be able to sell its products in the United States due to reasonable indications of forced labor in its manufacturing process. The Commerce Department also announced that Hoshine and four other Xinjiang firms would be subject to tight restrictions on their ability to acquire U.S. commodities, software, and tech. Credit yeah. the administration. Uh, I think this. I think that. Um, yeah. The uh, who's the head, who's the union guy? Gosh, I miss. Guess what? Who who did the letter? AFL's Trumpka. Uh, did Richard Trumka do a letter on this? Remember back in the day, he said, "Hey, you guys can't do your Green New Deal with Silicon." Yeah, I think that was Trumka. Yeah, so I think that's a labor, uh, you know, partially it, due to his. Sure, it, it. I mean, it's a good first step, but you know, the look, the Biden administration is is obviously having a bit of an internal conversation about. Which is the relevant way to look at China, right? Are they are they a, a an important source of minerals and batteries and solar panels that are going to enable us to do net zero by 2050, or are they a, a murderous bunch of bandits? I love that bandit. I got to get that in. Like that's a that's awesome. I keep 
I got another good quote for you when you're ready. Yeah, the, the, the bandits, right? Or they murder a bunch of bandits who engage. China in- lashed out at the order, calling it a bandit-like act, no different from pillaging other people's property. That That's- creates forced poverty and forced unemployment among Xinjiang's people. <laughs> the U.S. uses human rights as a pretense to unscrupulously oppress the industrial development of Xinjiang. True, said Foreign <coughs> Ministry spokesman Zhao Lui, Lui, uh, Lui, oh man, me. at a routine briefing on Friday. Said some Chinese dude who's in charge of keeping the slaves independent. <laughs> said the Minister of Propaganda. Says the Minister of Propaganda. Yeah, I, it, you know, the Biden guys have to make up their minds, and you know, they they do stuff like this, and you know, which is clear eyed and smart. And then, you know, they in the next in the next breath, they're like, hey, you know, we're going to make Paris commitments and you're OK keeping on. You know, we're, we're OK giving you a, comparat- a competitive and comparative advantage by reducing our own greenhouse gas emissions and letting you do whatever you want. They need to decide which is more important. Is it more important? And this is as simple as I can make it. Is it more important to advocate against slavery, against torture, against genocide? for religious freedom, for individual freedom, or is it more important to do your net zero by 2050? Yeah. And, and I, there's zero doubt in my mind which side the American people would pick. I think the Biden guys need some clarity in their own heads about which is more important for them. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I you know, I mean, to my mind, it's easy. It's easy. I'm writing, I know you're going to shock you, but I'm writing a column on this. It's going to appear on Monday. So it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be one of, yet another one of your most excellent columns, I'm sure. It's, it's, you know, this, this thing has interested me. And the interesting thing to talk about labor guys is a guy named Sean Enright who wrote this letter to Patagonia about, hey man, maybe you should lay off oil and gas given that all your stuff's made with it, right? Yeah. Um, but in there, he gets in a shot at them about their their act their business practices in China, right? Good, good, good. More people should do that. And he has this great phrase in the middle of the letter. He said, you know, especially especially given China's commitment to human slavery. And I thought that is a delightfully precise and accurate phrase from us bandits. Yeah, I just <laughs> like, you know guys like guys like Sean Enright who I don't know, right? He runs the Northwest Ohio Building Trades Association. Um, when, you know, but he's obviously a guy like that is a solid American, right? When guys like yeah. that, when guys like that have lots of clarity about that kind of thing, it's yeah. just a matter of, well, it's just the, a matter of time. This is a, a, a real, I mean, the Biden administration will likely be responsible, in addition to being squarely responsible for, the death of the Keystone Pipeline since TC pulled out. Um, they also may end up owning the death of the lockstep support among Democrats for 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 certain unions, the hard hat guys and others. I mean, the tricks they pulled this last cycle, the leadership of these unions, I don't think they can get away with that again. And this is an attempt, in my view, to try to salvage that. Yeah, right. I think that's try right. to get try to do a solid for the AFL CIO guys and whatnot because they're gonna run. They're they're, they're coming close to the end here uh, of 
the the leadership in these unions have to be they have to be worried about pulling another stunt like that because of the rank and filers so yeah i agree i i, I agree it, it's um i mean it's, look they made it clear i mean that they're those those jobs all jobs are important except some jobs are more important than others right yeah so. it, it's a it's something the administration is going to have to figure out and i mean I, I i think i know where they're going to wind up and i hope they're not but i you know you you, you kind of worry about it right yeah uh don't call to come back bloomberg green from uh last last week coal is so scarce in europe oh. gas i'm sorry is so scarce in europe that coal is making a comeback europe is so short of natural gas that the continent usually seen as the poster child for the global fight against emissions is turning to coal to meet electricity demand that is now back to pre-pandemic levels. Coal usage in the continent jumped 10 to 15% this year after a colder and longer than usual winter left gas storages depleted. Europe has long been at the forefront, forefront of the battle to reduce global warming. The continent has the world's largest carbon market, yada, yada, yada. Energy demand has been pretty strong in Europe and we have seen a recovery from the pandemic. Gas storage is so low now that Europe cannot afford to run extra power generation with the fuel. <laughs> Good Lord, how messed up is this? We need to be more like Europe. Isn't that I mean, what Obama kept harping the whole time he was president? Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at you look at the Germans, right? They, they basically have built two systems, one renewable, one traditional. And they run them alternately depending and everybody winds up paying three times what they should pay i mean it it it's it's insanity it's crazy well fortunately uh just in time Nord stream 2 will be ready later this year so that russian gas will start flowing so it it meanwhile uh we got a lot here it's it's um well that's you know somebody somebody pointed that out and i didn't read the story because i you know i didn't have time somebody pointed out that you know american gas is going to wind up getting exported to china to help them meet their paris commitments you know we but we try to limp along on solar and wind you know 10 years down the road if you're you know if you're serious about net zero you should probably start putting bullets in these lng projects but biden <laughs> guys don't want to do that right but it, it's it's, it's a an weird. existential threat to humanity oh shut up come on okay let me just read this one last piece because this is just it's so okay. it's so indicative of everything going on here like this yeah. there's the world as it exists and how it runs and then there's this alternate universe of politicians and activists and money guys like larry uh and and others who uh live in this fantasy land. Um, all right, with gas supplies already tight and heavy maintenance cutting flows from Norway, utilities have turned to coal to keep the lights on. While the price of carbon is trading near a record, many have hedged it in years in advance. That means burning coal could still be profitable. <laughs> Generators with highly efficient new plants can probably manage to produce power from coal until 2023, even with higher carbon prices. Already. The G7 recognized that coal is the single biggest cause of greenhouse gas emissions in its final communique, but the group promised only to quote unquote, rapidly scale up technologies and policies that further accelerate the transition away from unabated coal capacity. 
So it's like been two weeks since the communique. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that you know the the that communique. We haven't talked about that. The interesting thing about the communique is it's mentioned nothing about the hundred billion dollars a year everybody committed to give to the South, the global South. It said nothing about it. The one thing they could actually be in charge of, they said nothing about. Yeah. You know, we're not, they're not in charge of coal plants. They're not in charge of any plants. They, they are in charge of giving money away. The one thing they're in charge of, they said nothing about. It's an existential threat, Tom. Just keep that in mind. It's an it's existential a long, threat. It's a long tradition, too. A long tradition. We have a long tradition of being racist sons of bitches. All right. Uh, I mean, isn't that essentially what he just said? <laughs> yes. But I, you know, I, I applaud them for working on it. But I, I and then the best part was, um, your car's waiting for you, Senator. <laughs> <laughs> your SUV, no doubt. You, you care so much about the climate. I, uh, <laughs> it's an existential threat. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tee up this article from Washington Examiner. I'm gonna let you talk while I find our Bojo clip of the day. Okay. So McCarthy dismisses Pelosi announcement of plans for a January 6th special committee. So just as a setup here, um, well, let me read this. House Minority Leader McCarthy Friday refused to acknowledge the special committee to investigate the January 6th riots that House uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced she would create on Thursday. Speaker has never talked to me about it. I haven't seen the structure or what she does or anything else. I won't go there. Uh, I recommend you read the work that the bipartisan committees in the Senate have done, yada, yada, yada. So the commission is gone. Now there's gonna be a, a special committee just like the climate crisis committee, I think is, is, is her next jag. Um, meanwhile, um, we're getting a long way away from this thing. Uh, and you have some some updates on on some of the uh, yeah we, some we, of the big crimes that were committed right yeah we got our we got our first um, we got our first uh, uh, it was a lady I think uh, protester rioter whatever who got um, who got sentenced right she she pled guilty she got sentenced out um, to uh, time served basically right um, and some probation. Her, she took a minor beef, she took a misdemeanor tra uh, trespassing beef. Um, and the, the judge, Royce Lambert, went to great lengths to say, look, this is, we don't want you to think, we, you know, we're going to be this lenient with everybody. The only reason this lady got leniency is because she cooperated and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that she came and she, she got arrested on trespassing beef she pled guilty, you know, cooperation makes it sound like she turned the entire operation over to, you know, she cooperated, she just, she pled guilty. Lots of people plead guilty to trespassing beefs in, in exchange for probation. We have a 335, 330, 350 people sitting around waiting for something to happen. Um, I would remind you the most serious charge out there is possession of a deadly weapon on Capitol grounds. Yeah. We don't have any assault and battery charges. We don't have any assaults with deadly weapons. We don't have attempted homicides. We have no treason charges. We have no conspiracy to commit treason charges. We have a bunch of trespassing charges. And, um, you know, this, this, this Pelosi thing is an attempt to try to, um, this Speaker Pelosi thing is an attempt to try to keep this thing front and center, keep the churn, 
Yeah. Well, as 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 Senator Schumer said, yeah, the equivalent of, of Pearl Harbor. So. Yeah, which you know, for the twenty four hundred who died at Pearl Harbor, and the subsequent four hundred thousand who died as part of that war, I'm wondering how they feel about that. But um, you know, Senator Schumer wouldn't know anything about that because he skipped his war. Um, yeah, he, he 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 managed to miss Vietnam. So um, anyway, it it. I think what I've always thought about this, that at the end of the day, we're going to wind up with a bunch of misdemeanor charges and nothing, nothing approaching anything that looks like insurrection trees. And even though, by the way, there's no code for insurrection, just, you know, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, I'm not saying it was good. What I'm saying is the legal system tends to um, solve this thing a lot better than congressional committees and special committees and, you know, speakers who have personal access to grind. Anyway, meanwhile, Ron John, Senator Ron Johnson wants to know why a bunch of doors were like physically unlocked. <laughs> it's a it's a good question. And Tucker Carlson's question about unindicted unindicted people is also a good question, right? Yeah. You know, either 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 you have rats, in which case that's fine, you know, um, that's fine, or you have um, FBI informants and employees um, in the middle, in which yeah. case that's worth knowing. Speaker Pelosi's not going to land any Republicans on this committee, I guarantee you. Yeah, as the committee to create a narrative for a midterm that, that yeah. is that's really <laughs> slipping her hands. That's what we so, should, that's what we should call it. The committee to the committee to create a midterm narrative. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this man, we just covered a lot of ground today. Uh, good, good episode. Hopefully, uh, our producer doesn't have to cut half of it. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right, I found the clip. Uh, clip of the day. Bojo is now rivaling Biden for clip of the day. I think we're we're going to be tied after this one. So he just he's he's golden. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Bojo's been on a roll these days, and not in the in the best of ways. And quite honestly, I'm still. Um, this is still um, penance for me for being such a pro bojo guy. I, I was a victim. <laughs> of, I was a victim of the fraud. Uh, here we go. Ready? Sure. You can never exclude that there will be some new disease, some new horror that we simply haven't uh, budgeted for or accounted for. But looking at where we are, looking at the efficacy of the um, the, the vaccines against all variants that we can currently see. So. Alpha, Delta, the, the, the lot of them, Kappa. Um, <laughs> I think it's looking good for July the 19th to be that term this month. I think what the scientists are saying is that, you know, things like flu will come back uh, this winter. We may have a, a rough winter for, for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, there are big pressures on the NHS. All the more reason uh, to reduce the number of COVID cases now, uh, give the NHS the breathing space it needs to get on with dealing with all those other pressures. And we're certainly going to be putting in the investment uh, to make sure that they can. <laughs> I can't wait for the day that politicians stop becoming pediatricians, like, like general practitioners. <laughs> just so many. Did you hear the alpha, beta, kappa? You just threw out a kappa variant. <laughs> Did you notice that? But but the but the good the the beginning is what uh, tr a true politician in in the post COVID era 
should be thinking about. Uh, did you catch that first part? Let me, let me just play the beginning clip again. Hold on. You can never exclude that there'll be some new disease, some new horror that we simply haven't uh, budgeted for. Or there it is. Budgeted for. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now we're so done. We're going to have, you can, you can bet we're now going to have line items <laughs> in budgets for the, for the Kappa variant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I'm off to the poker table. I'm going to, I'm going to get some blackjack in today, I think. Uh, good luck and namaste. All right, gang. That's a wrap. Number 42 in the books. Hey.